Welcome to Real Creative Leadership, a place where creative leaders can find insights and practical guidance on the day-to-day job of being a creative leader. We focus on real issues, topics, and insights of creativity in the business world. Join me as we explore the best strategies for developing your team, getting others to embrace your vision, and generating amazing experiences. This webinar series is produced by The Stoke Group. I'm your host, Adam Morgan, Adobe Executive Creative Director and author of Sorry Spock Emotions Drive Business. And this is Real Creative Leadership. What's really the difference between data and insights? And, and to be fair, this is hard. We get this wrong a lot. It's so easy to collect data and, and expect that there will suddenly we'll have great insights and have great creativity out of it. But it's really about distilling the difference between data and insights. A lot of times at work, I, I like to call this the Seinfeldian truth. Because if you think about all of those shows in Seinfeld, it was about finding that human truth and then just really playing off of that thing again and again and again. So that's what we're looking at for insights. What's that human behavior, human action, the thing that we care about that is really, really important? So it's not just data of like X percent of people like X. It's really that insight of like what does it mean in, in, a, in a human term of like we, we're motivated by it. We care about it. We really believe in something. What are those emotions that connect with us on a human level? You have to make that, that transition from data to insight. And it's all about what's the human truth, right? So when you get to knowledge and wisdom, that's where the insight lives. So I'm going to give you a few examples to describe what I'm even talking about here. So this first one was uh, Keystone Beer. They, had this, uh, they did this research and they found that, you know, young men, here's the data point. Young men like to go hunting with their buddies on average 4.6 times a year. So if you just had that information and just be like, okay, if I went out and started creating ideas and campaigns around that, I would just be like showing a bunch of buds out there in the woods, having a good time, right? Because they like to go drinking and, and hunting, which is not a bad combination. Or it's a bad combination, by the way. Um, but that's, and I don't think it's even about the hunting. It's just like being out, you know, and hanging out. But that's where the insight came in. The insight was, it's not just going out 4.6 times a year, but it's like, they like to get a break from their family or, you know, whatever their work and just go out and be guys and not have all the, you know, the, the constraints around them that they have to, you know, act properly. Like they can just be gross and jerks and just be dudes, right? So that was the insight. They want to be dudes rather than they go hunting 4.6 times per year. When you find that human insight, now think of how they, the ads are going to change. What kind of ads am I going to create around these rituals and the interaction between dudes that are out there camping, right? That's, that's it, the human insight. Here's another example, Dove. So the data was... Mothers, mothers of small children have hectic lives and they have little time for themselves. Again, if you stop with just the data, you would say, all right, all those campaigns are going to be about time savings, right? How do we save time? Because there's so much going on. I need to find time for myself and, and, and just it's about time management. But if you did an ad about that, you would totally miss the mark. The insight really is saying that being a mom is so absorbing that most women lose sight of who they are as a person. It's like they forget who they are and they put all the focus on their kids. So when you understand that human insight from the data, boy, imagine how that changes the ad. Now it's all about saying like ads about you matter as a woman and you need to take care of yourself and there's you know, self-care. And, and it's not about time, it's about self-care. And that changes the whole story of what your communication is going to be. I know when we've used things like this, you know, in my personal experience, I'll give you one more example. You know, Email marketers, there was a lot of data that says, okay, we have all these new channels you know, from social to whatever new platform there is. And email is kind of like, it's still good and it's solid and we have to do it, but it's not the cool channel. But the human insight for all the email marketers was, man, we are, the, we are still the gold standard. We are still awesome. 
it's not that we're the leftovers, we're the workhorse, like we're the, the foundation, the basis of all of this. So when we make ads to that audience and say, we understand you're, you're still important, like it matters, you're doing all the right things, you're the one moving the needle, rather than just saying, oh yeah, you gotta do that, but focus on the shiny new you know, platform. That, those, kind, those types of messages really resonate. So it's really, really important. Not just data, but insight. So just some parting final words here is just, you know, like I said, finding insights, that's really hard. It's not easy. Um, and getting your team to understand the difference between data and insight is a huge undertaking. So step one as a creative leader, embrace data, understand the different types of data, understand what, you know, when to use those types of data. You look for insights in the beginning, data that inspires your creative ideas. And then at the end, then you can look at data that measures your creativity so you can do incremental fixes. Like I said earlier, finding insights that really inspire creative ideas is hard. It's really hard work. If you haven't done the job of a strategist where you're actually digging through data to try and find those human insights, it, it, it's challenging. And so if you're the creative on the other end, the first thing you can do is have a lot of empathy. Empathy for your, your strategy partners because they have to sift through and really find those, those deep human insights. Um, you know, sometimes we do this intuitively. As creatives, we're given a brief and we'll just think through, oh, what would, what would I do in this situation? Or how would I express this problem or this solution or whatever it may be? And so we intuitively think through those human insights and then express that in the final output of our creative ideas. But when you're looking for that, when you're looking for those insights, it's challenging. So I would just say, number one, push yourself, push your team. Really try and get out there and dig a little bit deeper than you're used to and search for those, those deep human insights. Because I tell you, once you find them, it's pure gold. It's amazing. And that's what you need to create amazing content. Um, in fact, there was this one great story. There's this one agency in, in London that they took all of their creative briefs and just focused it down to a one-word creative brief. And all they listed was one emotion. So in all the briefs of everything that they wanted to create, they would just say, what's that one emotion? And if you could say it's happiness or it's inspiration or whatever it was, that's really, really cool because then the creative team just says, all right, I know those emotions and I can go out and create experiences that express that emotion. So just something cool to think about when you're creating your briefs or you're looking for those deep insights. That's our first episode of Real Creative Leadership. Again, the topic of real creative leadership, not just creative leadership, but we want to get into the day-to-day -day, you know, working environment, what you're building, what you're doing. Some of the upcoming topics uh, over the next few months, we're gonna talk about how to scale your team and deal with content velocity. We're gonna talk about how to teach other teams and stakeholders to give good feedback, feedback that actually helps the creative ideas get better. Maybe we'll talk about process of finding, you know, new ideas and how to have, you know, I talked about that a minute ago, how to use data to get data-driven creativity at the beginning of the process without focus groups or surveys or some random decisions by a company leader. Like, I really wanna get into the things that matter to you and, and help all of us expand the world of creative leadership so that we can become a force for good. Also, if you want to reach out with any topics, please, I'm going to tell you how to get a hold of us in a second here. And you can reach out with, you know, other topics or questions and we'll try and address as many as we can. Uh, so let me just first tell you how to connect. Um, so number one, if you want more information about me, you can go to my website, adamwmorgan.com. And I have a newsletter you can sign up for. Mostly if like you want updates on new webinars that are coming up, you want updates on articles that I'm writing or even information about the book or just in general. I mean, my whole goal is really just to share the wealth and help us uh, kind of build this whole platform of, of real creative leadership. So feel free to reach out to me. I think my email's there too, you can ping me. Or, you know, real creative leadership, you can come back and check on upcoming webinars. We're gonna post this thing, uh, this first one there so you can come back and watch it. 
but just look, look uh, to that website for all things about this, this series. And then finally, the Stoke Group. Um, if you need creative help, if you need to expand your team, if you need you know, strategy, whatever it is, you know, I'm just grateful for them to help um, produce this whole series. So I definitely want to give a shout out to them. Um, and as we're talking here for a minute, you know, just, you know, a little bit of their work, but absolutely, if you're, if you're looking to expand or grow or do whatever, they're, they're a great partner. So I highly recommend them. And then finally, if you, uh, you know, they're awesome. If you contact them and you need you know, help or if you just want to, you know, get connected and see what they can do for you, they'll give you a free copy of my book, which is a win-win for all of us. So if you're interested in that, just, just let them know. And thank you. Thanks for listening. So we're going to start with questions now. Um, here we go. The first question is, okay, what metrics and software do you rely on the most when trying to quantify the success and value of creative projects and their departments? All right, so that's a big question um, because there are, there are two parts to that. You know, what kind of software are we using? So remember how I talked about there's different types of data. And then you were also talking about how do we measure creativity. That's a third type that we didn't talk about on the show today. Um, so the first one, how do we measure this? How do we measure projects? You know, how do you get that incremental are things doing better? And there are so many things out there. I mean, obviously I would pimp Adobe analytics is awesome. Um, but it's for big enterprises. If you're there, if you're not in your small, um, small company or individual, you're probably going to be looking at something like a Google analytics, but that's just, that's where you can get some intent data of, of if your stuff is working and are people clicking on stuff. The next part of like, how do we measure our creative ideas? How do we measure the value? You know, the model today is all about focus groups or surveys or, you know, cause everyone's afraid of just putting it out into the world. I'm not going to completely answer that because I want to save that for another session, but there is a new model that we're using that starts at the very beginning that actually gets good data on whether an idea is valuable or not to the, to your audience. And then you can go all in on it rather than just relying on whatever your VP or your CMO or whatever is just from their gut deciding on something. So we're going to save that one a little bit till later. And then the last one um, was, uh, let me look at the question here again. Oh, to quantify the success. So there's also, yeah, how do you, how do you use data to prove that you're doing well? Again, that there's, there's a combination of some of like the analytics, but there's also, you know, we're, we're doing a new pilot with Workfront and stitching analytics and Workfront and everything together. So it's our process along with, you know, the outcome of how things are doing. And for us, that's been really, really awesome. There's also another question I think here. Um, how do you, let's see, we're thinking of building testing tools for creative teams. What do we need to know? So again, this kind of covers that question as well. We're doing this cool pilot because it's all about, you know, I have a whole rant on timesheets, you know, so often the way that teams prove the value of their creative team as being successful is just time. We're just gonna go out and say, all right, pump in a bunch of time and then we'll go and show, oh look, we did all these projects and it only took this much time and it was, and if we equate time to money and it only cost X amount, we're either saving or losing money. And that's an antiquated model, it really is. Um, it's really more about how do I measure the projects and the success of the projects, not the person. I'm not gonna go on the whole tirade of timesheets. There's an article I have on it. You can look on my, my uh, Medium uh, magazine and, and read all about it. But really, if we put the focus more on the projects, like I'm saying what we're doing with Workfront and with analytics, and really seeing how it's doing and measuring against responses, and you know, that's the whole B2B model of MQLs all the way through sale. Like there's, there's a lot of complexity there, and I'm not gonna, you know, five minutes give you the, the answer to it. But just know there are a lot of great tools and I'm not going to pimp them all because I'm biased, obviously, here. But uh, anyhow, there's a lot out there that you can, you can look at for that. So I'm going to go into the next question. 
Okay, um, what's the best way to ensure both design and date are presented in the final product? I don't want one side to bully the other so the other side loses energy or concedes the other for the sake of, comp of completing the project. So the difference between design and data. Um, that's a good one. How do you balance all that stuff? Um, and the truth is, again, what I was trying to get at with this thing is in the beginning is use data for the right moments. Don't use data as a slave. I know there's, there's like the last five years, there's been so much push on metrics and measurement and data that we're almost like squashing our creative juices and pushing it out of the way. And it's like, we can quantify exactly what ads are going to work and we're going to use programmatic ads to deliver them perfectly to every audience and it's going to be perfect. But the truth is without that creative juice, without that creative emotional blanket around it, it's not going to, it's not going to work. It's just going to be a transaction. So I'd say the way to balance all that is use data in the beginning to inspire and then only find the right data to inspire and ignore all the rest. And then only use data in the end to measure success, but keep it to a few limited KPIs. What are the two or three things that really matter? And, and you could overdo it with a million measurements and try and optimize the whole program. And then you'll just end up with, you know, a dog's breakfast instead of a great ad. So find the right data at the beginning and find the right data at the end. And that's how you can balance it. And then give space. I mean, that's your job as a creative leader, right? To create the environment where ideas can thrive, where you can go and talk to the analytics people and say, great, here's what we need. Let's partner. Let's get these right and things in line, but then understand the value of emotion and understand the value of creativity. And we're going to bring that part to the, to the party and don't squash that. So it's giving space for both of it. And that's really the job of a creative leader of, of understanding that. All right, I'm going to do one last question here. What should we do when data metrics comprise actual design quality? For example, a metric may say that customers approve of the design quality. However, the work will look below design standards. That is tough. That is a, that is a big question. And that's usually like, for me, it's been when we've been you know, doing UX testing where it's saying a big yellow button is gonna be the best thing. And then that totally destroys your, your design. And for me, this is where it comes down to you and your, your, your political capital and how you can balance as a creative leader. Because there are times that, um, yeah, we may do a test and the test may say, pictures of cats and emails are going to pro are produce, you know, 10 times the result of the, of the art that you wanna put in there. And yet you don't believe it. And that's where I'd say it comes down to the brand. Because we may get some metrics and there may be metrics that to the extreme push a certain, you know, UX style or a certain design style. And for me, it's always been about look holistically from Adobe. If I look at Adobe, should I be doing cat images in the emails? No, I should have really cool art. And so we need to, that's where you gotta build the relationship with the tester and say, what are the things that we're gonna test and change? And what are the things that are sacred? There are some parts of the design that, that can't be monkeyed with, right? We have to keep certain aspects of the design. And then there are marginal improvements that we can do. That could also, you know, you could also just have an open mind and say, this is a new brand. Maybe cats are the way to go. Let's go all in on cat photos. I don't know. And you go all in on it and maybe you'll have a really successful experience. The truth is like we as humans, even though we can feel what is right, we may not have all the answers. And so to me, it's really a matter of sometimes I'll have someone on the team bring an idea and it makes me scared. It's a little, I'm a little nervous, but sometimes we have to just try things, right? I would say try it in a very safe environment on some social channel or something and just see what happens. If that audience really does resonate with it, then your job is to go back and say, how do I make good design wrap around that. If it's a big yellow button, what do I do with that? And I only joke about that because here we've been arguing about big yellow buttons because of course yellow stands out more and people want to click on it. 
So it's like, it's a balance of what are the things that I'm going to use and we're going to agree that's going to improve the creativity and what are the things that destroy the brand? What are the things that, you know, ruin the whole experience and the whole emotional connection? That's where you're going to be, you know, battling it out with, with all of your stakeholders. And I would say what you need to do is find a little give and take, have them give a little bit say, let me just try this and not, you know, not monkey with this. And then I'll try a test here where I'll use a little, you know, I'll use the cat photo, but I'm going to use my type of cat photo that feels like it fits within the brand. So there's going to be a little give and take in that moment, but really establishing like for me, what are the ground rules? What are the sacrosanct things we don't mess with? That's where you need to, you know, stick to your guns and say, this is what the brand system is. And I don't care how many times you test, you know, X, Y, Z, we're just not going to do it. And then you can say, okay, now where are the ways we're going to improve upon that? Because yeah, maybe if you're a startup, maybe you don't know what, what the brand should be. And that's a great way of discovery. But if it's an established brand and you know what you're delivering and you've had good success with your audience and there's an affinity to it, then there are some things you don't want to break. So that's my answer is I, I would do a little bit of give and take, but set the ground rules. I want to thank Stoke for producing this podcast. They do an amazing job of getting this out to all of you. And uh, thank you for all of you for listening, whether you are coming to the webinar or listening later on the podcast. I appreciate it, and we will see you at the next episode of Real Creative Leadership with Adam Morgan.